that bold prayers honor God. And God honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God. A lot of times, you know, I don't want to offend God by asking for too much. Anybody else feel that way? My parents taught me that I need to be self-sufficient. I need to be self-reliant. I need to be independent. I, need, I don't need to depend on other people to, to, to be there for me. I need to be able to provide for myself. But God, our God, our Father in heaven, my parents, were, they were doing their best, wanting me to, to be, not to be coming to them for every little thing. But our Father in heaven, who's a perfect father, he wants us to come to him for everything. He wants us to be completely dependent upon him. He doesn't want a bunch of boot, pull yourself up by the bootstrap kind of people. He wants people to turn to him for the first and last. That's the kind of people that God wants. That's the kind of people that God is asking us to, to be, to trust him, and just come to him with everything. Not to be independent, but to be dependent. God isn't offended by us asking for big and bold prayers. Just the opposite. God is honored by us asking for things that are within his promise, yet beyond our ability. That's what honors God. Because who else can provide it? If, if it's within our grasp, do we really need to ask God for it? No. We need to remember that we're praying to a God who parted the sea, who made the sun stand still. We're praying to a God, I mean, these are all stories of the Old Testament, who, who made the head of an axe float in the water. We're praying to a God who does the impossible. We're respecting God's power, honoring his promises when we're asking for a divine involvement in our life. I don't mean just asking him for every little whim of the day, right? I'm, I'm saying we're praying for the promises of God to be made real in our lives, in the lives of our people around us, in our community, in our church. It's a declaration of our dependence upon him. That's the way Jesus prayed. He was passionate. He was confident. And yet, he asked God to move. He, when Jesus prayed, he, he, he was dependent upon God. His disciples heard him pray, and they said, you remember what they said in, in Luke chapter 11? They said, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray. John's disciples were taught to pray by John. Teach, you teach us to pray. And in Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13, Jesus or in verses 1 through 4, he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. He said, this is how you pray. And then in the following verses, he goes on to, to explain to them the perspective of their prayer from God's point of view, right? He tells them the story. You may remember it, that, that a, a man went to a friend's house, and uh, someone had asked him, hey, we need food. And so he goes to a friend's house, knocks on their door late at night, and he says, hey, can I, can I, I need some food. Please help. And the friend inside says, I'm, it's too late. I've already, the kids are in bed. I'm in bed. I'm not coming down. He says, no real friend is going to do that. If you come to his door at night, knocking loudly so everybody hears, and you ask, he's going to answer. Why? Because you have the audacity to ask in the middle of the night. And his reputation is, God's reputation is, that he answers prayer. So you ask, and he answers, he said. Ask and it will be given to you, he said in verse 9 of chapter 11. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. He says, which of you fathers, your son asks for fish, will give him a snake? 
And which of you who his son asked for an egg will give him a scorpion? No, he says. You wouldn't do that. So how much more will your Father in heaven not do that? He says, have shameless audacity. That's the way we were to approach God. With shameless, those are Jesus's, that's how Jesus described it. To know that God is for you and God is in the promise keeping, the miracle working, the prayer answering, the dream fulfilling business. That's what he does. God is for you. That's who he is. That's what he does. And the more desperate we are for divine involvement in our life, the more we come to him with this shameless audacity that we would be so bold to ask God to actually do what he promised to do. The more bold we are, the better it is. The more bold we are, the more God gets the glory. The more outlandish our prayers relying on God's promises, the more God gets the hon- is honored because who had to do it? But God. Ask and he'll answer. Not just because of your asking, but because it reveals him. God. The God of the impossible. The God who answers prayers. The God who can. That's who he is. You are probably aware of this, but the greatest blessings in our life are those that are found just outside of our reach. The greatest blessings in your life are those that will be found just outside of your reach because at the end of you is where God thrives. Thrives. So pray with shameless audacity. Pray out there. Pray out there that God might do something. Because I can promise you that God is ready and willing to move in your life. Scripture is pretty clear about that. God is ready and waiting to move in your life right now. So while I have no idea the circumstances that each of us sit here in today, I'm confident that the only thing keeping you from it is prayer. It's God moving. That's it. God moving. So we're going to begin a four-week series of messages on prayer. So in, in order to do that, we need to get one thing straight. We, just one thing. That's what I'm going to ask you to focus on today. To believe that God is for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is on your side? Is God is working things out for you? Because how you, how you believe that, how you understand that, determines the, the shape of your prayers. Right? I mean, if you don't really believe that, then you're satisfied praying small and timid prayers like, Lord, Help me. Lord, thank you for this food. Lord, just small prayers, just basic prayers. You're satisfied with that. But if you believe that God is the God of the impossible, then your prayers get big. Your prayers get bold. Your prayers get confident. You you begin to pray with audacity like Jesus described. And one way or the other, your prayers, whether they're big and bold or small and timid, will change the trajectory of your spiritual life, of your life. Because they show you your God. If you pray pray big prayers, well, guess what? Your God better be pretty big. He's going to be big. But if you pray small prayers, you don't need a lot of faith to believe in a God that can just get you there safely. Right? Who Who can just 
get you out of this fever. Doesn't need to be a big God who can just get me to work on time. Prayers, you see, are prophecies of our spiritual life. They're predictors of our future spiritually. Who you become spiritually is determined by how you pray. As the author of the book, The Circle Maker, he said, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. The transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. So where do we start? Where do we start this 21-day prayer focus? We're going to approach prayer like the disciples. Like the disciples in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Where they prayed, where they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray with this same desperation and confidence that you have, God. Teach us to pray like that. See, the disciples, they all knew how to pray. I mean, they were, they were raised in the faith. They knew how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray like Jesus. Because when Jesus talked to his Father in heaven, he, he was close. When Jesus prayed to God, it was... It was as though he expected God to be, could be there, to be hearing him right then. The passion Jesus had, the connection he had, the expectation that was in his voice about tomorrow. And his disciples wanted to pray like that. Do we want to pray like that? Do you want to pray like that? Do you want to pray like a disciple of Jesus expectantly? So over the next 21 days, I want us to develop as a church a, a desperate prayer nature, that we become desperate about our prayer life. Not that you don't pray now. I'm not doubting the fact that you pray now. I'm not saying you don't. I'm not saying anything about it. But each week in our, in our worship program, we have a list of people that, who ask us to pray. I don't even know where I put mine this morning. I know I put, There it is. We have a list of people who've asked for prayer requests and, and people who have, well, they, they've drawn a circle around something in their life, and they've said, please join me. And so we should pray with these folks. We should be partnering with these people. And these, this, this week's prayer focus, we should, we should be lifting those things up. It's the right thing to do. But what about your desperate prayers? I mean, we know what theirs are. But what about your desperate prayers do you have any desperate prayers in your life, things that you long to see God do right now, today, this week, this month, this season of your life? What are you drawing circles around in your prayer life? Where does your, des- your desperation and God's promises, where do they meet? Years ago, I've shared with you that that uh, it was a season in our life where my, my, one of our kids was ill and it was sick and had no idea how to fix it. Right? I'm supposed to be able to fix these problems. And I couldn't fix this one. And I was, I was, I was enraged, actually, by my, my own inability to solve the problem. And I found myself, the, the church we were serving at the time, I, I would just go there at night and just I'd walk around and around and around the sidewalk of the church. Just praying, God, please, God, you've got to. God, this may not be your will, but you've still got to do something. It was a long season, long days, long nights. 
I continue to pray, and, and many of you probably continue to pray for your kids daily. That's a good circle to have. It's a good circle to draw around your kids and to lift them up to the Lord daily. But don't stop. Don't stop. Ask for things specific for your kids. When I think of stories in the Bible of this collision of our desperation and God's promises, right? Where those two meet, one story comes out to me again and again and again, and it's the story of Joshua and the, the people of Jericho. Joshua, <clears throat> if you don't know the, well, you know the, the people, the story of the Israelites, right? They'd been to Egypt, been slaves for 400 years. There'd been a promise that they'd have a promised land, and it, 400 years later, here they were. They come out of captivity. They, they send spies out to see the promised land, and then they decide, no, no, we can't. But the spies who went, Joshua and Caleb, they said, no, no, we can go. But the people said, no, we can't go in there. And so God says, okay, you 40 years, you're not going to be able to go in until this generation is dead. But then we're going to go in. <clears throat> so Joshua led the people into the promised land. He's getting ready to go to take them in. It's the Passover, right? It's Passover, and he's, he's praying during Passover. <clears throat> it's in Joshua chapter uh, 6. He's praying as he's looking down at the city of Jericho. And he looks up, and there's a man standing in front of him with a sword out in his hand. And obviously, Joshua, knowing that he's in uh, troubled lands, he says, uh, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the man said, neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. He says, and I'm here now. He says, Joshua, take off your shoes because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. He says, Joshua, something special is about to happen here. Something truly unique is about to happen here. Your, your confidence in the promises of God have brought you to this point, and now you're looking at something that you can't do this. You can't go up against this huge city. The walls, however many feet high, 20 feet high, you, you can't do this. You're desperate. You're confident and yet desperate at the same time. And in that, he and I have the whole scripture in here, but I'm not going to read it. I'll just tell it to you because it, it's a familiar story. The, the angel tells Joshua that, that what you're going to do is, is for the next six days, you're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to walk. The priests, seven priests with trumpets are going to walk the, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the Ark of God, around the city. You're going to lead them and you're going to follow them with a, a band of soldiers and all the rest of the army is going to follow along. Your army is going to be quiet. Your priests are going to blow horns. You're going to do that for six days. On the seventh day, you're, you're going to do it seven times. And then on the seventh time around, all the army will give a shout. All 600,000 of you will shout up to the Lord. And in, as your shouts go up to heaven, the walls are going to fall to the ground. Joshua's like, okay. <laughs> You think so? No. He's like, ah, that's crazy, but all right. That's crazy, God, but I'll do it. And he does. And it did. Six days they walk around the, the wall. And you know every soldier all along the way was thinking, why are we doing this? You know that first day they were thinking, this is, Joshua's lost his darn mind, Right? I mean, that's what we would be thinking. Like, walking around the wall, being quiet, we can't even talk. 
I can't even tell anybody how crazy this idea is. Second day, man, he's really, he's really serious about this. Third day, all right, well, if we have to do it, let's just do this. Fourth day, I guess he might be on to something. I don't know. I guess he did hear from God. If we're still doing this, he must have heard from the Lord. Fifth day, well, we've gone too far to stop. We might as well just keep it up. We've only got two more days we've got to do this. Sixth day, all right, tomorrow's the last time. Thank the Lord, but we've got to do it seven times tomorrow. Every day, if you, you could almost feel their faith grow in obedience. That's, that's a newsflash for you. Your faith grows in obedience. It's a good word for us to remember. The seventh day. By the seventh day, the, the expectation was in the air so thick you could cut it. Their faith was ready to pop. They, they got up before dawn. They started circling. Every, the, all six, and each, each lap around probably took an hour because of the terrain and everything else. By 9 o'clock... 10 o'clock, they're on their last lap. In keeping with God's commands, they hadn't said a word for six days, and now the priests all blow their horns, and all 600,000 of them give a shout, and the walls come down, just as God had promised. After seven days of circling Jericho, God delivered on a 400-year-old promise. He proved again that his promises, God's promises, don't have expiration dates. They don't have time limits. Jericho stood as a city, and Jericho fell as a city because of the promises of God. So let me ask you, what's your Jericho? What's your Jericho? This miracle gives us a pattern to follow. It doesn't, doesn't tell us exactly how to pray, but it gives us a pattern to follow, challenging us to confidently circle the promises that God has given us. It begs the question to, for us to answer, what is it? What is it that God has called you to believe? What promise do you feel convinced that God wants to do in your life, in your family, in your church, in our community? What is it? What promise is God calling you to, to pray around, pray circles around? What miracle is God is inviting you to march around in your life? What is it that God has set out before you, that dream, that, that hope, that goal that he has set before you and said, follow me? What is it? That's your Jericho. That is your Jericho. That's where it all starts is identifying that. Because you've got to define the promise that God has called you to before you can begin to circle it, right? You've got to know what it is that God is asking, what God wants to do in my life before I can begin to pray that God make it real, right? You've got to know what it is first. But once you know, you continue to circle it. You don't stop like the can of food. You don't, it doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. It just continues. Continues. But here's the problem. Most of us don't know what that is. Most of us. Because we don't know the promises of God that he has for us, we don't know what to pray for. We've never circled any of God's promises. We've never established any God-glorifying goals for our lives. We, we've never defined what success in faith means. We don't know. 
Our dreams are, are like clouds. So instead of drawing circles, we, we draw blanks. We just pray. God, God bless me. Bless my family. Because I don't know what else to say. So I invite you over these next days that we, we, we circle together. Together. More than a thousand years after this Jericho miracle had happened, Jesus was in this same city, right? Walking down the road with his disciples, and two blind men came out and met Jesus. And they said, they, they declared, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. You remember the story? His disciples said, ha, come on, come on, come on. Let, let him through. Let him through. This is the Messiah. Let him through. They, they, they thought it was an interruption. But Jesus saw it as an appointment, and he stopped and asked him a question. Do you remember what he asked him? He said, he said what would it you would have me do for you? What is it that you want me to do? <laughs> Two blind men come out and say, can you help us to a miracle-working healer? And he says, well, what do you want me to do? Like, everybody knew what they wanted. Everybody knew. Even Jesus knew what, probably what they wanted. But, but he wanted to make sure they knew what they wanted. So he asked them what seemed to be an obvious question. He does the same thing for us. It may be obvious what you need God to do in your life, but, but are we asking God to do it? It may be obvious to everybody, even you. And you would think to God, God knows what I need. But he needs you to ask for it. He needs to hear you. Long for it. He needed to know what they had circled. So what if Jesus asked you the same question today? What is it you want me to do for you? What is it? Would you be able to spell out the promises, the goals, the, the dreams that God has put into your heart, would you be able to explain that to God if he were to hear today? Could you write it down today? If not, don't, don't feel like oh, I'm such a loser. No. Just never, been, never thought of yourself as being asked by God. I'm afraid many of us would be dumbfounded. We'd have no idea what God is, would want from us, would want for us. And the, the irony of that is, is that if we, don't, if we don't know, then we don't know what to ask for. We're, we're as blind spiritually as those men were blind physically. So while God is for us, most of us don't have an idea what we want God to do for us. And so our prayers are kind of boring. Uninspiring. Because if faith is the hope of things unseen, then being unsure of what's unseen is the antithesis of faith, right? If we're unsure about what we can't yet see, then, then, we don't, then that, that calls into question our faith. Well-developed faith, you see, results in well-defined prayers. And well-defined prayers will lead to a well-lived life. Like the two blind men outside Jerusalem, we need to encounter, we need an encounter with the Son of God as well. We each need to answer the question that he's still asking. What do you want me to do for you? Obviously, the answer to that question may change given time, right? D different seasons of life, it may change. We, but 
different seasons, we need different, God to do different things in our life because we have different experience, different things are happening, different, but, but, but regardless, there's always something, even in this moment, there's, it may be a moving target, but right now, right here, what is it that you need God to do in your life? In our program today, there are uh, lots of lines. So at any point today, you decide, you know what, I, I need to talk to God. It's like, you can feel free to ignore me and just write down what God is saying to you. Write down the, this is what it is. This is the burden of my heart right now. I invite you to write it down. It's important, actually, that you write it down. If you don't have something to write down, then let me give you one. Lord, Show me what you need me to pray for. That's what you write down. Lord, show me what you need me to pray for. That's, that's, your, that's what you draw a circle around. That's where you start. If you don't know what it is, then start with that. God, reveal it to me. I need to see your will for my life. And for the next 21 days, you continue to pray that. And if somewhere along the way God shows you the answer to that prayer, then, then just begin to pray that one. Just begin to pray that. Don't stop. No, pray, continue to pray until something happens. Right? Did you get an answer? No? Then continue to pray. Pray until God shows you. And once God shows you, continue to pray all the more with passion, with persistence. It's the difference between Praying for something and praying through something. Praying for something and praying through something. You know the difference, right? I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Elizabeth Abney. Or Elizabeth Delaney is her name. Uh, Delaney, she, uh, African-American lady who died in, I think, the late 60s, 1967, I believe she died. Her husband was a pastor. He was planning a church. Uh, and I want to say in Chicago. I could be wrong. But uh, planning a church anyway. And, and she wasn't a pastor. She was his wife. And, but, but she felt God could use her, and so she made a covenant with God. Get this. This is what she did. She made a covenant with God. God, for the next three years, I will pray every morning at 9 o'clock. Every morning at 9 a.m., I will greet you with good morning, Jesus. That was her prayer. Twice a week, every week, I will fast for 24 hours. I think it was two days a week. Every day for three years. She was faithful to her covenant, her promise. That she got every every day she met the Lord at nine o'clock sharp, not a minute late, she said. And she prayed. At the end of the three years, yes, the ministry had grown, but even more than that, her minute she had developed a ministry of prayer for people. She she was given a, a facility that she called the, the prayer garden. It was a place where people came to be prayed over, that that miracles were witnessed to have happened, that that people the blind were received sight. Miraculous things happened in her ministry there, just, just praying for people who were desperate. Her, the church grew, yes, but her ministry blew up. For the next 21 days, I ask you to pray until something happens. I ask you to set aside time to pray, to ask God to show you his promise for you. For me, I've got it on my telephone Every day that I pray for my kids, and I, if you have children, I invite you to pray for your children. But every day I have a prayer for my kids. For uh, today, it is for safety and daily activities. 
For tomorrow, it's freedom from fear. So I have a, every day, I put it on my, cal- my Google calendar, right? Every day, it pops up an alarm just for freedom from fear. And I know I'm praying for my children, right? But that goes off every morning at 6 o'clock for me to start my day praying for my children every day. Every day. The next 21 days, I ask you to, to, to set a regular time of prayer. To pray for something consistently. To set aside time for, to study, to read God's word, to, to know what his promise is for you. I encourage you to fast. To journal. For the next 21 days, I encourage us to get serious about our desperation for God to work in our, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community. 21 days. Our church desperately, the church, desperately needs to understand the difference of praying for something and praying through something. Praying for something is just is lifting up to God that... that His will be done. One and done kind of thing. Absolutely, those are important prayers. But there are also situations, there are also times when when you need to be like they were in in the records of the Old Testament where they they went into the Holy of Holies and they grasped the horns of the angel on the covenant, on the Ark of the Covenant, and they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't be drawn out. You couldn't get rid of them. I'm not leaving your presence, God, until you do something. How would that become our attitude? Like, like Mother Dabney and like Honey. We refuse to move from the circle until God moves in the circle. You intercede until God intervenes. Praying through, you see, is about consistency. Circling Jericho so many times you got dizzy. Praying the same prayer over and over again until you think God is bored. It's consistency. Like the, the, the story Jesus told of the widow, the persistent widow who kept coming to the judge, right? Lord, judge, you got, you got to rule in a favor. This isn't right. Judge, you got to rule in a favor. Cause this, and finally he says, okay. We need to be persistent. It may just be one prayer away from a miracle in your life. Consistency, it's also about intensity. It's about, it's about praying from, from in here. It's about praying from in here, from our faith, from our gut, from from our relationship with God, our desire, our desperation. It's about praying from that. When was the last time you found yourself flat on the floor in prayer before God? When was the last time? When was the last time you felt your feet going numb because you were kneeling in prayer? I'll freely admit it's been a while for me. It ought not be. It ought not be for any of us. Do you believe that there are higher heights and deeper depths of your relationship with God yet to be experienced? Do you believe, or do you believe that what you've got is all there ever is? Or do you believe there's more? If you believe there's more, which I do, I also believe that God wants to take us there. That God wants to take us to see it. He wants to take us places where we've never seen, where we can't imagine His work, His love, His plan. If you want to do something to God to do something new in your life, then do something different. Do something different in your prayer life. 
I invite you to this prayer experiment we're going to have over the next 21 days to circle your prayers. Keep a journal. Record it. Keep a record of it. Put an alarm on your phone so you don't forget it. And be in prayer and see what God can do. Let's do some circling together, all right? Amen. I'd like to pray for you. God, Lord, we come before you knowing that there's nothing that is significant that can happen in our lives outside of your will. God, we trust that, that you have a plan, not just for our lives, but for so much more than this. Lord, we ask you to be at work now, in and through us. Lord, I ask that, that we come before you, we know that it's only because of Jesus that any of this is possible, that, that your love for us was seen, and, and you allowing Jesus to come and die for us, that, that the sin of our lives wouldn't keep us from you. But because of our faith in Jesus, we, can, we surrender to Jesus, and we give our lives to him. And because of that, you see us as your child, not as one who's broken, not as one who's lost, that's not worth hope. You see us as worthy. God, receive us. I ask you, Lord, that, that there are people in this room today who have desperate prayers that are right there on the tip of their tongues. God, they're at the front of their minds. They've already been praying these prayers. I ask you, Lord, bless them. Bless their obedience. Help them to, to lean hard into you, God. Help them to, to not grow weak, to not grow weary. Father, hear their prayer. I ask you, Lord, to answer their prayer, to show your faithfulness, your kindness, your goodness to us as your children who you long to bless. God, pour out your mercy on us gathered here as your people, as your children who you allowed your son to die for. Bless us, Lord. We need you. We long to hear, have you work in our lives, stirring us a desperation, God, that we, don't, that we pray through things. We pray until and beyond. Use us, Lord, for your glory, that you might do something in, in us that we can tell the whole world about your goodness. We thank you, Father. We love you. Amen. Amen. So I invite you uh, again uh, this week. Just the next step you can take is is jumping into a small group, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Uh, get into one. D develop a prayer this this prayer attitude of your heart. Uh, again, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday nights, a place to gather where you can develop prayer as a as an expectation of God to move and stir your life and those you love. Join us as you can, all right? Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you.